0: welcome to vicious whispers with mark tullius your source for horror sci-fi suspense and all
1: things violent hey what's up guys thank you so much for joining me today on vicious whispers with mark tullius today we have episode 173 at the end of the episode i will be playing three more scenes from trying not to die in the pandemic that one we are speeding right through. I think we will be done in another couple episodes. Probably like two more, I'm guessing. So hopefully, you guys are digging that right now. If you want to read the next try not to die for free, you could pick up try not to die in the wizard's tower. That one is fantasy. That's doing incredibly well right now. I think it's like 250 in the overall Kindle store for free books. So a lot of people downloaded it yesterday. Hopefully, they're going to read it, like it, and leave reviews because that book, I have not been able to advertise because no one is reviewing it. I stopped asking for reviews a while ago. I'm not sure what the issue was with the terrible release and all that kind of stuff. So, did not launch the book correctly. It only has two reviews right now. Thank you to the people, the two people that did review it. I do appreciate that. But if I get more reviews for that, that would be awesome. It's kind of nice. I'm not worried about reviews on the Try Not because they're slowly coming in. I haven't really pushed the series. And so my belief is as I'm adding on more and more books, I will do more advertising. There's no real rush to do it now with so few books. But books five and six are going to be coming out soon. Should have those covers next week. I don't know which book is going to hit fifth with one is sixth. Right now I'm kind of guessing the Western with John Palisano will be the fifth book. I've been working really hard on that. A lot of focus since I finished up my detox program with my buddy George last week, maybe a little over a week ago focused. I got rid of little distractions, it was nice. And since then, all I've been doing is writing, And or playing Duolingo. That's what I do now for a distraction. If I need a break, if I need to, my brain wants to do something instead of jumping on social media or jumping on a video game or something like that, I've been doing more Duolingo. And what cool thing with that is I was telling my son about that. I'm like, hey, man, look, I'm cutting out this because I want to have more free time. I don't want to just find myself escaping. There's nothing wrong with escaping. There's nothing wrong with taking breaks. But I didn't like it. And so I I told him, I was like, look, I cut this out. Instead, when I have this urge to play this game, I now do this. And then I was able to show him at the end of the week at Duolingo, said like 0.03 people in Duolingo did as, went as far or or whatever. did as many lessons. So it was, I was able to show him, look, man. I said, if you spend the time on something, then I'd much rather be doing, learning a language and working my mind a little bit and, you know, doing well. He said, Yeah, he's like, but how many of those other people didn't care? Like they're 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 not concerned with the scores. You're just trying to show off. I was like, no, dude. I was like, that's not it. But that's funny because that's just him parroting me when he tells me how good he is at a game. And I'm like, yeah, but does it matter? Blah blah blah. So anyhow, that's what's been going on. The nice thing with waking up early to write is an hour, hour and a half. After that, when people are about to get up, I'm already doing my yoga, which is cool. So generally I would do yoga with George at eight o'clock. This week we only met one day. So been doing it on my own. He suggested a workout that includes all kinds of core, which sucks. I have a fairly like I, I think I have a fairly strong core, but yesterday's workout was like 30 minutes of stomach in the afternoon. Yesterday, I was stretching and all of a sudden I started having all these pains. In my chest and my this like the front of my body and scared me for half a second that was probably because i was high but then i realized like oh fuck. it's just all my muscles that i haven't used in so long that are super tight super uh, you know just cramping up on me so that's all that was so working out has been good that's been keeping me motivated feeling good yesterday was swimming we've been doing a lot of swimming back yesterday morning i made my son go in early with me and do an actual little workout say hey, man jiu is right around the corner hopefully I said. but we haven't been doing anything we've been sitting around well he's been sitting around i've been doing a little bit I Said it's gonna be really hard it's gonna be a shock going right into jujitsu. i said let's start working out so yesterday i put him through a little workout in the pool went in again at nighttime. another little workout and again it wasn't much but it was enough to show him like hey man this is how we get our heart rate up. This is how we work our muscles. This is going to make you faster. This is not that. And right now he doesn't care about those things. But I think once he gets back into school, once he starts playing with his friends, once he starts doing more exercising with them, PE, all that kind of stuff, he's going to want that. So that is what we've been doing. We also managed to, we concentrated, I think I mentioned it on here. We concentrated on what we we're eating after we got back from Hawaii because he was a little bit heavy, you know, not obese, anything like that. A little bit of a belly, I always said that ah, not a big deal. But my wife and the doctor are saying, Yeah, he should be a little bit lower, so why not get him there? But it was nice. Two weeks of watching what we're eating, maybe probably more like one week, you know, just getting a handle on okay, this is overeating. This is not overeating, this is a, a good size portion. Okay, let's stop on where we are full. Look, are you really hungry right now, or do you want just how let's have some water? and so I took him to the doctor last week got an amazing report weight was right on so yeah something to do so if you do notice that yourself or your kids like starting to get heavier like just do something about it. make those changes before it gets carried away it'd be much it was very very easy to do that with him right now and we're noticing it compared like shit. what if we waited a year what if we waited two years and now he's got a big belly and now he has this and now he has that so and again never i talk about big bellies and being heavy i know some people may be offended by that it's just i look at it and i have many doctor friends that look at it the same way he's like it's not healthy to be heavy I'm not fat shaming anything like that but your odds of survival the odds of having a better life your odds of most things improve if you're not obese so i feel terrible for people that are and that would like to change i know that's incredibly hard so i do definitely care about that but for me and my family, yeah, I watch what we eat. I'm very fortunate, able to do tons of organic stuff. I do most of the cooking. I probably cook five to six days. <clears throat> Actually, that's, I cook pretty much every day. Sometimes it's two meals, sometimes three, sometimes real shitty, sometimes pretty good. So it varies, but yeah, I like cooking. Cooking's not a bad thing, it's kind of a way to meditate. I either put on a German podcast or just listen to my music, often German music. And just chill and cook and sometimes have to put on a headphone. So the rest of my family's like, what the fuck are you listening to? But whatever. Oh, I almost forgot. Thank you to everyone that sent me an email last week. That was super awesome. So if you listened to last week's episode about religion, respect, regret, whatever, I was obviously a little upset, a little defensive, maybe not even just a little, maybe a lot. So it was not easy to put out a belief like that. I think I might've talked about stuff like that before, but never really saying like, Hey, this is how I feel. Like, I don't know whether or not it's right, but this is how I feel. And it is offensive when other people tell me that their belief is right and mine's wrong. So I got tons of emails from everyone. Thank you. That was super awesome. Some people explaining their beliefs, religious beliefs. And that was awesome. I was like, I love what you have. That is like, and that's legitimate. That's not me just saying that because they're a reader and I like them or whatever else. Like, no, I am glad that they have that. I don't have that, but it was also really cool to hear all the different perspectives, like people that lived in different countries, and here's what they saw with religion and how people treated them, and so a lot of back and forth. That was super cool. I appreciated, it. it made me feel much much better, and especially after I had, because after I had posted, I think I had posted the podcast already. I'd already written the newsletter. I was talking to my wife about it, and she's like, "Wow, she's like, you're kind of being a hypocrite, right?" And generally that would set me off, but I listened and she, she brought it up like the way she, she talked to me about it, it. was great. And she just got me to see like, okay, yeah, I'm expecting everyone to be open-minded like I am. And then if I they're not, then I'm upset. She's like, what's the difference between that kind of belief and what I was upset about, about not everyone being okay with others beliefs and everything else so i was like okay i I was able to concede. yeah i was being a hypocrite and still defensive about religion i still have a lot of shit to work through i think with religion especially anger towards the catholic church so but that is being worked out in our fucked up little family that was also worked out in ain't no messiah if i need to write some more books about it i shall um but again, thank you to everyone that's writing in. Some people weren't even writing in about that in particular, about the religion stuff, but that's super cool too. My favorite thing is an author, or probably my favorite thing is actually writing the scenes. Second favorite thing is talking to people all around the world. That is super awesome. Anya from Norway, got all kinds of Carol, all these awesome people from the UK, bunch of friends in Canada. So that's super cool. I, I love that. I love connecting with anyone. When you guys tell me a little bit about your life, you know, how you connected with me or or why, what the similarity is there. That's super cool. It does mean a lot to me. I appreciate it. So please keep that up. Last week, I got to work Midsummer Scream. Got to meet some new friends, fans, whatever you want to call them, readers. And one thing that was cool was there was a reader, Marissa. Remember her name? I will always remember her name now. She came up to the table with her partner, and said that she had read Twisted Reunion. She had bought it the year before, I believe or six months ago. And I kind of remembered her. And she said the second story and it really bothered her. So I had to look to see what it was. Or she said it was super disgusting, but like in a good way. And it was the wrong side tavern. I think that's what we called it. And I asked, I was like, was it this, you know, with the, the with the lady in the train? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that was it. So she, uh, she got Untold Mayhem because she liked Twisted Reunion so much. And hopefully she will dig that as well. But that was cool to talk with her, talk with a lot of other people. One of the highlights of it was talking with my friends, my, the other authors in the HWA. Brian Asman was there with all kinds of others. I met with Evan Boffman first, we talked over the try not to die and a dark fairy tale. That's the one he's working on. So that was cool to talk with him. Let him know all like, it's awesome. I don't have to do much. It's going to be funny. We're making it a little bit darker but it's already pretty dark but it's already right there so that one is going to be easy i was also able to reassure him like hey man i'm in no rush because i still got to work on five six seven eight nine ten like so whenever it finishes whenever it comes up that's awesome also had the chance to talk with kevin anderson i am reading his midnight Men, or yeah midnight Men right now really liking it it's horror pretty clean but still gruesome i've Read two. I don't know, not sure how many stories or adventures are in it, but checking that out, liking it. Kevin's a great guy. We were talking about trying not to die. We've done all kinds of events together, and he thought he might want to deal on with alien abduction. So I thought that would be awesome. We don't have alien abductions, and so that is now on our list. It is not official, but might as well be i think it's going to happen and again i was able to tell him like dude there's no rush on this because i have so many books there's at least there's probably more than 16 but let's just say 16 because i'm saying hey i'm getting at least 20 of these try not to dies that is the goal so we shall see i don't know how many it will officially be i don't know when we will end it But I am concentrating on this. I figure it's probably like a four or five year thing. And maybe after that four or five years, after I develop it all, uh, get all 20 books out, maybe I'll put one book out a year. Who knows? So, or maybe I'll be fucking dead. I'm not going to worry about it too much. Whatever happens will happen. Why try to control anything, right? No, but we can't set ourselves up for success. So that is why I will continue to crank out some stuff. That's why I'm going to continue on with this trying to die in the wild west until it's finished and i'm jumping straight over to death fest next week i will have Caitlin on here more so we talked uh, i talked about having her on before but next week we're going to have her on she's just got done with covid all that brain fog she's riding like crazy just a lot of fun a lot of great energy so excited to have her on and then i need to order some more matt shaw books i want to read some more of his stuff before i have him on That way I could read those and have him on the podcast and be able to talk to him. You know, I hate just talking to people, interviewing them when I don't know anything about them or their writing. So it's much, much cooler if I have some insight into what they write, who they are, all that kind of stuff. All right, guys. I think I'm going to wrap it up because, again, it's Friday. I got a lot of work. Partied last night. My mom's birthday. She just turned 79 on the 1st. So we had her over yesterday. That was a lot of fun did not getting any work done. My brother Steve's birthday is next week. I think he turns forty-five on the twelfth, and then I turn fifty on the nineteenth. We decided not to do shit. Too, I'm gonna to be a little hermit. And my wife is like, oh well, we should do something. We should have a big family party. Like, nah, I don't want a big family party. She's like, well, we should do a party with all your friends. I like, I don't want to do that either. I was like, I have a lot of really good, really solid friends. They don't get together i don't know how my friends would do it together but i have a lot of cool individual friends i like one-on-one time at a party i don't want to be at a party because i'm not gonna be able to talk to anyone like everyone else would talk to everyone else i'll come in i'll probably have more stress i would i don't know it wouldn't be what i like i like sitting down fucking shooting the shit with someone seeing what life is like for them and that's what i want to do i had a great talk with my buddy glenn i hadn't seen him and his family in a long time right after midsummer scream i went over there for like two hours and we just caught up so i would much rather do that than have a big party and oh, 50, blah blah. no and i told my wife i was like i would much rather just do something with her i love my kids too but we just do something with them I said, but that's what i would like to do I said, just just something with her so i don't know if we're going to go to vegas we're just going to keep something nice and easy where we don't have to fly don't want any stress over that that's what i was like and i don't give a shit like i've never given a shit about my birthday so why start now like we'll We'll go. We'll do something. I was like, and I said, even going out to Vegas or or going out with her. I was like, I don't care. it Doesn't have to be for my birthday. I was like, I just want to do that with you. So, but it does feel good to not feel like I need anything. Like, I don't care. I I, I know a lot of people like that. I think a lot of people probably throw them parties for their significant others and stuff like that because they feel like they they should or something you should do. I was like, eh, not important to me. I'd rather hang out. But whatever that's just me all right guys let's wrap this shit up I got some stuff to do I know you're tired of hearing me and my foul mouth but thank you again for listening thank you for subscribing thank you for the messages thank you for sharing this thank you for sharing my writing it is super cool uh I wouldn't be doing this without you guys if, if I didn't have readers that wanted to read my work listen to my work, listen me talk, and I would not be doing this. So thank you guys so much. I do appreciate it. Hope you have an awesome week, and I will talk to you later. Peace.
0: Okay, okay, I tell Falcon. I'll come out. Slide those out first, he says, pointing the bottle at me. I bend over and set one of the meat hooks on the ground. I'm sending this one first. Stop hurting her. Eagle smiles at me and says, there's no hurt going on here. Amy's eyes are telling me not to slide the meat hook, but that's probably because she thinks I'm giving up. I chuck the meat hook as hard as I can at Falcon's feet. Falcon's slow to react and barely jumps over the hook, doesn't have a chance to brace himself for me running at him full speed. Falcon's much bigger than me, but he's off balance with only one arm. He raises the bottle to strike, but I'm already throwing my body at him like he's guarding home plate. Our bodies collide and Falcon screams, his shattered forearm smashed between us. He's barreled onto his back, the bottle breaking on the galley tile. I roll off Falcon and scramble behind the fruit counter, bring the meat hook up. Amy and Eagle are fighting next to the grill, both hands behind her back. Stop it! He screams, his face turning red as Amy's goes purple his arm squeezing so tight. Let go! Amy's left hand comes out from behind her back, the screwdriver gripped tight. She brings her fist up lightning quick, the metal driving through Eagle's cheek. Eagle releases Amy, both hands on the screwdriver. An unnatural scream pouring through his pursed lips. Amy spins around and launches a knee to Eagle's crotch. Drops him. Falcon's getting up. The jagged bottle pointed at my face. Game over, son. I can't afford to be overconfident. One swipe with that bottle would be enough to end me. I've gotta play this smart. Throw him off again. Falcon lunges forward and swings the bottle. I leap back, bang into the counter, the jagged end of the bottle flying inches from my face. Falcon tries again with a backhand. But this time I'm ready and block his swing with the meat hook. The neck of the bottle shattering, piercing his palm. He lets out a guttural sound, looks up to me, his face coiled in anger. I'm on automatic pilot, the meat hook swinging before I'm even aware I'm doing it. The smack into the side of his ribs vibrating up my arm. Falcon's face collapses. He looks down but can't see with his sling in the way. The hook is embedded right below Falcon's elbow, his jacket punched in around it. The jacket gave him a half inch of padding, but there's another three inches of metal missing. Falcon reaches for me with his bloodied hand, but I jump to the side, pull him with me, make him scream. From the corner of my eye, I see eagles back on his feet, blood pulsing out of the hole in his cheek where the screwdriver had been. Falcon tries to twist away from me but he's literally hooked. He screeches. You little maggot! He says. I'm going to! He reaches for me, but I jerk on the meat hook, another miss and a scream. Amy shouts. Watch out! Eagle's got a gun, aiming it at me. Falcon's wiggling like a catfish on a line. He's dangerous this close, so I rip my arm toward me. He howls as the hook tears through his side, but gets stuck in his jacket. Eagle's got me in his sights, finger on the trigger. I jerk on Falcon's jacket, get his body in front of me. All of Falcon's fight is gone, his hand clutching his wound, blood pouring like it's coming out of a faucet, his blue jeans going black. No, he says soft and scared. Look what you did to me. Out of my way. Eagle yells, sounding like he's got a mouthful of jelly beans. Falcon's eyes are closing, and he's going to hit the ground whether he wants to or not. I let go of the meat hook and push him at Eagle with everything I've got. Duck behind the cutting station. Eagle fires, the boom echoing. Get up! Amy roars, and I look up just as she launches herself, all 130 pounds flying, her crossed forearms smacking Eagle in the neck and knocking him down the gun clattering across the tile. I scramble to my feet and free the meat hook from Falcon's jacket, his pink inside sticking out from the wound, his eyes closed, my guts tighten. I never wanted to kill anyone in my life, not even a murderer. Amy's running for the galley door. Dylan, let's go! Time to make a decision. To grab Eagle's gun, then catch up to Amy, go to chapter 35. To run after Amy to get help, go to Chapter 36. Falcon's dead at my feet. Amy yelling my name from the galley door, waving her arms like I'm not getting it. Come on! Eagle's crawling toward the back of the room, probably for the pistol. If I was braver, I'd finish him off and grab his gun, but I can't risk that and have to settle for the meat hooks. I run toward Amy, my foot slipping out from under me on my second step. I'm headed straight for my back and stick my free arm out to brace for the landing. My hand sinks into something warm and wet, my back smacking off Falcon's thighs, the wind knocked out of me. I roll off Falcon and get to my hands and knees, the floor slick with blood. Eagle's looking over his shoulder, his cheek dribbling. He turns back and scurries forward dives on his belly, reaches under the pastry cart. I get out of the puddle and watch where I'm running, just waiting for the boom. Amy cuts left out of the galley, but I'm at half speed, my back and lungs still locked up. I breathe a little easier when I round the corner, but I don't like Amy so far ahead. I push it to catch her. Amy's an athlete and shows no signs of easing up. My run drops to a fast walk, I'm embarrassed to admit. I gotta catch my breath. She slows down beside me and whispers. Sorry. I killed him. Good, she says, her voice raspy. Don't you dare feel bad. I check behind us. No one. Doesn't matter. Amy points at the camera in the corner. They know where we're at. We need hope, so I say. Maybe not. Only one guy trying to watch the whole ship. Amy's nice enough not to point out he would only have to watch this part of the ship. I grip the meat hooks tighter. They know where we're at. I didn't intend for us to be walking so slowly, but I can't stop from thinking they're going to jump us any second. I ask, what should we do? My cabin's clear across the other side of the ship. I don't want anyone else to die. Maybe we just need to hide. She says, Not as long as they might be watching us. My brain's not working. All my focus on the next corner and who might be hiding behind it. I say, What about the marshal? You think he'd try to retake the captain's quarters? She says, All alone? We can't count on it. The hallway is clear. A staircase up ahead. What about your dad? He can't leave the cabin without my brother. Amy shakes her head. Oh, he's probably so freaked out about me right now. He knows you're smart and can take care of yourself, right? She nods as a shiver runs through her. It's cold next to the staircase and will only get worse on deck, but I say, I hate these hallways. Head up. Amy nods. I go first. Check the corridor. There's a man outside a cabin to our right tying a baggie to his door handle. The left is clear. The breeze cuts through my sweatpants but sharpens my senses, gives me a much-needed second wind. Amy points to the left and says, My cabin's that way. The hallway stays quiet, a door here and there cracked open, hands looping baggies to the door before disappearing. Not one person saying a word warning us to get inside. I whisper, every man for himself, including women and children. Amy's looking ahead where the hallway opens up. The checkpoint. Less than an hour ago, this place was packed, but now it's empty, not a person in sight. We get closer and see there's something huge taking up the table. It's a person. Officer Downing. He's not moving. There's a lot of blood. Amy stops us before we get too close. Got a bad feeling. There's a flash of black behind the table. Chicken pops up and runs around it, heads right for us, knife in hand. We both spin around and sprint back to the staircase. Rooster climbs up the last stairs. He's got a crooked smile and a silver pistol. Everything to our right side is open. No sign of the enemy. Rooster's twenty feet away. Chicken at least double that. Go right. Now! Amy banks right, but I spin back to Chicken. Chicken halts and readies his knife. Rooster freezes for a second, then comes after me. I'm in a pickle, but Amy's free. I spin back toward Rooster, make like I'm going after Amy. That gets Chicken coming for me, which is what I want. I run at Chicken fast as I can. He gets in the same fighting stance, ready to swing. I slide wide, way below his blade, and swing that meat hook, the clunk of the impact hard on his ankle. Chicken collapses with a scream, the knife clattering on the deck, both hands grabbing his ankle. I scramble out of Rooster's line of sight and split in the same direction as Amy. Run like I've never run, flying across the deck until it opens into another large space. I slow at the next intersection, spot Amy all the way down to the right. She's standing outside a white metal door at the end of the hallway. Amy sees me coming and holds open the door. I'm less than ten yards away when she screams, Hurry! He's coming! I'm crossing through the doorway when gunshots erupt. Amy slams the door shut behind us and I throw on the brakes. We're in another large area with a desk in the middle, the lights off. I look for something to block the door. There are three silver trash cans lined against the railing. I drag two of them and knock them over in front of the door. Where do we go? Amy asks in a panic. The enormous pool area is straight ahead. The large glass-enclosed gym with stationary bikes and ellipticals overlooking the San Francisco shoreline and the Bay Bridge is to our left. To our right is the arcade full of pool tables and the standalone video game machines that overlooks the Berkeley shoreline. This isn't going to stop him long, I say, and if we stick together, they're likely to find us both. Time to make a decision. To tell Amy to cross over into the pool area while I wait for Rooster, go to Chapter 37. To go inside the gym and send Amy to the arcade, go to Chapter 38. To go inside the arcade and send Amy to the gym, go to Chapter 39. Both the gym and the arcade seem too small. Good places to get boxed in. But there's nowhere to hide in the deserted pool area. Nothing but lounge chairs to the left of the pool and tables with closed orange umbrellas to the right. The pool is huge, the water sloshing as the aria tilts and rolls. The water slide structure is the biggest I've ever been on, with three levels of slides and blue plastic siding, two zip lines on the highest level. I point at the ladder and tell Amy. Up there. She takes off running, but I stay back and crouch behind the potted bush to the side of the door. Amy's halfway to the ladder, and Rooster's on the other side of the door, saying something I can't make out. I pray he's on his radio because we're screwed if he's got someone with him. My hand cramps from gripping the meat hook too tight. I slow my breathing, look through the bush, doubt he'll be able to see me. The door opens and clunks into the trash cans. Rooster says, ''Punk-ass kid'' and bangs the door into the cans even harder. Amy stops at the gate to the slides to look for me. The door smashes into the cans again. If I yell for Amy to go, I'll give away my position. She spots me. Eyes wide. I wave her up and she ascends the ladder. Got 'em, Rooster says. They're in the rear pool, going up the slide. Rooster sidesteps the cans, comes into view, his stupid mohawk flattened down. There are no other footsteps. No response on the radio. Four feet separate us, and Rooster's gun is down by his side. Five feet because I'm slow. Six feet because I'm a coward. Seven feet and I should have already attacked. Rooster stops about twenty yards away from the slide, raises his pistol toward the first level landing where Amy's headed. Come on down, little girl. I burst out from the bush and swing as hard as I can, aim for his head. Rooster spins away but he's too slow, the top of the hook grazing the skin an inch above his ear, knocking him to his knees. I drop the meat hook and go for the gun, tear it from his fingers. Rooster tackles my legs before I can get a solid grip on the gun, and it clatters on the deck. I hammer Rooster's nose and squirm away. He trips me and I fall into a table, knock it over on my way down. Rooster's on his feet but looking wobbly, a bloody groove on the side of his head. I snatch up the meat hook and run to the gun, smack it so it goes sailing off the deck and into the pool, a shot that'd make Amy proud. Rooster's at the overturned table, standing beside the umbrella. He slams his boot on the middle of the pole holding the umbrella and grabs the bottom half, a solid three feet with a jagged end. I back away from him and head for the slide. He holds the spear with both hands, points it at me. Playtime's over. I stand my ground, every second one more for Amy to get away. I tell him, just leave. Rooster lunges forward and thrusts the spear, but I dodge out of the way. He thrusts again and again, each one driving me back. The railing leading up to the pool's ladder is behind me. I spin to my right, knock away his spear with the meat hook. He keeps stabbing the air, driving me back to the left. My back's against the small gate. Rooster pulls the spear back more than usual, signals he's going for the kill. I time it perfectly and dodge to the left and swing low, the meat hook sinking into his thigh as the spear bangs into the gate. Rooster screams and I rip the meat hook free. I raise my knee and launch my foot into his gut, knock him on his butt with a loud oomph. There's a part of me saying to leap on him and bludgeon him unconscious, but the other part knows Rooster's still deadly. He's a lot bigger and stronger than me. I've got to stay away. The only way out is to go up. I make it through the gate, and Rooster's already back on his feet, a dark circle spreading on his thigh. He doesn't say a word, just starts after me with his spear. I stick the meat hook handle down my sweats with the hook pointing out so I have two hands for the ladder, which is slick with condensation. Oh no you don't, Rooster says from inside the gate. You ain't going nowhere. But I am. I'm five rungs up. Seven. Ten. The ladder shakes a bit. He's climbing on. I'm not a big fan of heights and can't look down. I'm maybe twenty rungs from the first landing. Rooster right below. Amy appears at the opening. She says, There's more coming! Time to make a decision. To yell for Amy to help me fight Rooster, go to chapter forty. To tell Amy to keep going up toward the zip lines, go to Chapter forty one. To tell Amy to go down the slide, go to Chapter forty two.